0: First impressions aren't the most important thing. They're the only thing. At Ernie's Print Shop, we'll produce what you need to represent your company professionally. Right now, you can get 1,000 full-color business cards, 1,000 4x6 postcards, or a 3x5 banner for just $60. You choose. Check us out at Ernie'sPrintShop.com. Ernie's Print Shop. Over 50 years, one source, one solution. Ernie'sPrintShop.com.
1: 502-969-8585. Being a victim of crime is no joke, but you do have options that can help you avoid becoming a victim. I'm Ed Springsteen of the My View Matters radio show, and on behalf of myself and co-host Ed Martin, I urge you to help us fight against crime. You can do your part by calling Crime Stoppers at 582-CLUE. Since 1982, Crime Stoppers has helped get over 23,000 criminals off the street with your help. Working together, we can make a difference to take our streets back. Please call Crime Stoppers at 582-CLUE, or you can visit them online at www.582clue.com. Remember, Crime Stoppers always offers up to a $1,000 reward. Get involved and help make a positive change in your neighborhood. Thanks.
0: Advertisers, here's a great way to reach a quality audience. Get heard on My View Matters and make some noise in the marketplace. Email
1: MyViewMatters
0: at AOL.com for advertising opportunities. Make a sound investment.
1: So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. Ladies and gentlemen, yes, welcome once again to The Ed Springston Show, brought to you by the MBM Radio Network, home of EdSpringston.com, where you can go for all the latest stories, podcasts, and the usual stuff we've got going on. While you are at EdSpringston.com, I would ask that you please do a few things. First and foremost, like the thousands of people before you, please join the email newsletter. We'll send you updates on a weekly or a monthly basis, your choice. Secondly, please join our RSS feed, and we'll make sure you get podcasts delivered direct to your inbox. And finally, donate, donate, donate. Yes, we can always use your help. We uh, always have to pay for things out of our pockets, so we do have a handy-dandy donate button. If you guys want to help us out, kind of pay the bills around here, we'd appreciate it. Um, in the meantime, call-in number is always 858-683-1326. You can reach us in our live chat, which is now open. And you can reach me on Facebook at Messenger, uh, Facebook Messenger at Ed Springston. And for those of you into the listening queue, as always, please hit the number one on your dial pad. And that's the opening round. Let me tell you right out of the gate, Ed Martin will not be with us tonight. Ed has a business uh, out of town right now. He's got this little business that he runs. And, uh, you know, so he stays kind of busy, but he's out of town on a... Trip right now, taking care of that, so he will not be here tonight. You're stuck with me for the next hour. Isn't that something? But we have got a whole lot to talk about. Um, you know, first and foremost, for anybody who hasn't heard yet, um, Stan Lee. Everybody might remember Stan Lee from Marvel Comics. You know, X-Men, Iron Man, all that good stuff. Uh, Stan Lee passed away today. Uh, he was rushed to a hospital. They haven't said what he died of at this point. Um, but he was 95 years old, and I'm sure, uh, there'll be a lot of people that miss him. He's not a lot for entertainment, if you're into that kind of stuff, and of course, I'm into X-Men, Iron Man, that kind of stuff, so it's kind of a big loss for a lot of people. Um, so, anyway, we wanted to make sure we mentioned that at the top of the hour. We have another situation in Louisville, um, Big news. I was not expecting this. We have talked about this quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. Mr. Martin isn't here to talk about it tonight. But Coach Bobby Petrino, uh, University of Louisville, has been fired uh, effective immediately, according to Athletic Director Vince Tyra. Um, it was interesting because everybody saw the writing on the wall for Petrino to be terminated uh, by the probably around the end of the year. Came a little bit earlier than we expected, and quite honestly, I've got to admit, I went on record as saying I wasn't sure they could fire the guy. Um, and the biggest reason for that was money. He's got a fourteen million dollar buyout clause as part of his contract, and you know that's a lot of money to come up with for a program who is in some serious jeopardy with money right now. Anyway, uh, the athletic fund itself has only about eight to ten million. The last I understand. Last week, I think as I was told it somewhere around 19. I've done some research on that, and it's a lot less than that. So where they're going to get the money, I don't know. Um, the the, it's, the interesting thing about it is, though, that it's, it's paid out over three and a half years, essentially, three years beyond the end of this year. So um, Petrino did get a buyout. He is gone. Uh, the interesting part of that, really, too, is the fact that uh, essentially his whole family was wiped out. Tyra said that he did this on Sunday, hoping to send a signal to the uh, existing players, recruits, and fans that he was serious about re-energizing the program, whatever that means to Vince Tyra. Um, You know, the thing that's interesting is Bobby Petrino's having a down year. There's no doubt about that. And part of that problem is Petrino hyped this program up um, preseason. He told the whole world that they were going to be great. That they have this, you know, amazing talent. I was talking about how Juwan Pass was going to be a better quarterback than Teddy. Or I'm sorry, Lamar Jackson, and he built this program up for this fall. To be honest with you, I um, I really didn't see anything develop that Bobby Petrino told us was. Um, the team just never responded. Now Bobby Petrino is not a personable. Person, anyway, for lack of a better word, uh, you know, and this was a long time coming. I just didn't think they could pull it off. Obviously, I was wrong. Uh, you know, we're going to see what happens here, but it's really interesting because Tyra said he wasn't planning on making this change, and I don't buy that for a second. I think Vince Tyra was planning on getting rid of Bobby Petrino as soon as he took over. I really, really I really, really do. I don't like Vince Tyra. I think he speaks out of both sides of his mouth. I admit that freely. There's nothing about the guy that I trust. Um, That's the truth of it. Um, I think he's an opportunist. That's just the way it is. But um, with all that being said, it was probably the right decision to make. He said the really biggest thing was after the Syracuse game, he said that this was a disappointing effort. Um, Lowell had four turnovers and ten penalties in the first half alone against Syracuse over the weekend, which was really surprising because in 2016 Louisville routed Syracuse 62 to 28. Last year they routed Syracuse 56 to 10, and you know this year I, it was just a joke. So, you know I do agree with with Vince Tyler. He said he doesn't think the talent level dropped off that far that much. I agree with, but they also don't have consistency at quarterback. Uh, I saw a lot of players throughout the year, especially the last three or four games, they essentially were going through the motions if you give them that much credit. I mean, we're seeing guys stand straight up on extra point kicks or field goal attempts. They're not even trying to block it anymore. Those kind of things add up. And, you know, when you see your players not putting out any effort at all, and they weren't putting out any effort at all, and, uh, you know, then that says a lot. That always comes back to the head football coach. Um, so, Bench Tyra fired Petrino, but that ain't all he fired. He also fired four other coaches, uh, three of which were Bobby Petrino's relatives. He fired assistant coach Nick Petrino, who's Bobby's son, and he fired Bobby's son-in-laws Ryan Beard and L.D. Scott. So he cleaned house of all the Petrinos. Um, So, you know, all of these things add up. What's interesting here is um, you really have left uh, Louisville with no coaching. Uh, Lorenzo Ward, who is the safety coach, is now going to take over as the interim head coach for the rest of the year. Um, Ward has only been at L for less than a year. He got here in, I think, of January um, of 2017, so this is his first, you know, he hasn't been here long. Um, you know, I think maybe it was January 2018, I don't know, but he hasn't been here long. He has six years of experience as a defensive coordinator, uh, including four years of South Carolina, um, and uh, that was under Steve Sperger. And what's really interesting with this guy is he wasn't fired. And the reason I say that's interesting is here's a guy who has all this defensive coordinator experience who is now serving as a safeties coach, and his safeties were getting beat on every play throughout the entire year. So as a safeties coach, I have a lot of questions, um, you know, about that as well. I, uh, you know, when, when I look at this thing in play, I'm sitting here saying to myself, he wasn't accomplishing anything either. What's the problem? You know what I mean? So I don't know how this is going to work out for the next couple of games. There's two left, including Kentucky in two weeks. But uh, this isn't going to be good at all. Louisville will not be competitive the rest of the year. I'm sure of that. Um, there, there's really no incentive to. And regardless of Vince Tyra, giving the old pep talk to the team and all the other stuff and you know all these other things he's out there trying to say right now, I don't have any confidence in Vince Tyra as an athletic director either. And, and quite frankly, which leads us to this. Um, the only name on anybody's mouth when it comes to the next head coach of Louisville is Purdue's head coach, Jeff Brom. Now, we all know Brom's name here in Louisville. The Brom name in Louisville is is, as easy to identify as Kentucky Fried Chicken. I mean, it's just the way it is. Um, You know, but I've never been that impressed with the Brahms. other than the fact that they're Louisville royalty, and I'm sure I'm pissing off a lot of listeners right now, other than the fact that they're considered Louisville royalty for whatever reason. Uh, That has to do with, uh, you know, the whole Catholic school connection, the Trinities and all that bullshit. You know, as far as, you know, being the gods that everybody wants to make them out to be, I'm sorry. I just don't buy it. You know, that will offend some people. I get it. I really, really do. But I just don't buy it. And, you know, with that said, Jeff Brom is doing what I consider to be an exceptional job at Purdue University. But that doesn't mean he's the best coach out there. That doesn't mean that he's the best coach for Louisville. Louisville's going to go through some growing pains over the next couple of years. There's no doubt about it. They've only got 10 recruits next year for the football program. And that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. you know. Um, so I'm not sure that even Jeff Brom, if they could get Jeff Brom to come in here, that it would make that much of a difference. you know. Now, Jeff Brom has talked, he had a press conference and everything else, and Brown made his statements today that is pure speculation um, about the job opening at Louisville. And he went on to say he's heard the noise just like everybody else. Uh, and then he went on to say this is what's going to put some news people in a, in a tizzy. This is where they're going to think they've got him, right? He says, unfortunately, it's important for me to not comment on any speculation right now. I have a job, and we've got work to do and a lot of it. And then he goes on to say, when it comes to my hometown, that's where I'm from, that's where I grew up and where I played. But a lot of special people there we still have relationships with. My family is there, so I want the program to succeed and do well. But right now, I'm happy where I'm at, meaning Purdue, and I've got a job to do. One reporter actually asked him if coaching at Louisville had been a dream of his, and Brown flat out said, no, it has not. So this whole, this whole Brahm mystique and everything else, um, I really don't see uh, all of this, you know, and maybe I'm dumb as rocks. I admit that, you know, maybe maybe they will come up with uh, a situation where they can get Jeff Braum and maybe this is where Jeff Braum wants to go. I don't know. But Braum has always been a guy I think of, of if nothing else, Jeff Braum has always been a guy of impeccable character. And if he and if he, if he left Purdue right now to promise to these recruits he was going to stay there and coast them through all of this, to come to Louisville, um, that would be a surprise to me because that means Brom would break his word. And the other part of that as well is, you know, he's had a pretty good contract. He's got a pretty good contract. He's happy there. Things are going his way. You know, is there really any incentive to come here when he's, when he's got Purdue moving in the right direction? Paul, you're on the air.
0: An Indianapolis star reporter today wrote, that the Louisville football program is a dumpster fire. And I really found <laughs> that really, humorous. Why would Jeff from leave Purdue, who is basically throwing tens of millions of dollars at upgrading everything? He's happy. He's got Rondale Moore from Trinity, one of the best uh, four-star recruits in the nation. And he's got others. Why would he want to leave and come to the mess? that's called the University of Louisville Athletic Program. I'll tell you what, Ed, I'm with you. I don't think Braum is going to come to Louisville anytime soon. There's a whole bunch of people in Louisville who are are so disgusted with the way that the University of Louisville administration and the University of Louisville Athletic Association and all Mm -hmm. that other mess that was initially started by former President James Ramsey, uh, mm-hmm. Why on earth would anyone want to come here?
1: You know? Well, that's it's it. That's it. And, you know, Jeff Brom, um has started making his name. He's at Purdue. Purdue is doing much better. They're ahead of the curve. And you got to give him credit for that. You know, I'm not a big fan of the Broms. I don't think they're the Louisville royalty that they want them to be. But you know, but the, but the Brahms do have integrity, and that's the thing with Jeff Brom. And I, I don't think that Jeff would, would break his word for this. And by the way, there was all kinds of rumors going around about Brom has a stipulation in his contract that he could leave without a buyout if he came to Louisville. That was the only team that could get that. That was a lie. I don't know who started that stuff, but these diehard Louisville fans actually believe that shit's in his contract. It is not. It is not, folks. Let's quit that. To get Brom here, if they if they decide to hire Brom, it would have to be after December the fifth, and I think the buyout for Brom's contract after December the fifth is three million. It's five million before then, but after December fifth of this year is three million dollars. So you're talking hey, about spreading Ed, out. 14, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: I I know where they can get that three million. Okay.
1: Papa John
0: Schnatter. Papa John will be glad. <laughs> we'll be glad to give him more money, won't he?
1: If he if he thought he could get his name out there again, yeah, but he can't put his name out there as Papa John anymore. See that's the thing too. John Schneider would have to do this on a on a private basis, not a corporate basis. He can't use Papa John anymore. Papa John's up for sale, the company itself. And uh, you know, that would be detrimental. Louisville ain't gonna go that far back. So I don't know. But there are a lot of other names out there, um, uh, none of which really stand out to me at all. However, you know, th- there are good coaches. Ryan Day, he's the uh, offensive coordinator with Ohio State. Uh, you know, he's known to be a, a good quarterback coach. He's got NFL experience. Neil Brown from Troy. Uh, you know, he's from Boyle County High School, so he was also the offensive coordinator in 2013-14. to um, Luke Fickle from Cincinnati. You know, uh, Scott Scatterfield, Matt Campbell, Jason Candle, Mike Norvell. You know, there's all kinds of names out there. One other name that came up over the weekend, and I just started laughing. I mean, I really started laughing. The name Charlie Strong, ring a bell? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. A lot of people are saying that, you know, there's a lot of people behind the scenes that says it's a done deal. They're just playing smoke and mirrors because they're going to bring Charlie Strong back. Now, we just found out what happens when you go to a retread with Bobby Petrino coming back. Does, do we really want to go through that again at UofL? Was Charlie Strong a successful coach while he was here? Sure. But Charlie Strong was run out of town. You know, Everybody don't remember that. Nobody wants to talk about that. Charlie Strong was run out of town because he got, got caught having an affair with someone other than his wife, right? So he was doing the same damn thing that Bobby Petrino does, and when he got caught, he skipped town to hide it. That was exactly what it was. He was screwing Tracy Blue, okay, Jonathan Blue's ex-wife. So, you know, and Jonathan Blue, of course, everybody knows about Jonathan and Todd Blue in this town. So, you know, that's why he left. So do we want to go back to that? That's the same rumor that's going around about Petrino now that he got caught with yet another side piece after the Arkansas thing, which leads me to believe that if that part is true, maybe he doesn't get the full $14 million. Maybe they agreed to publicly state he was getting fourteen million, but in reality he's going to get four million, and they're going to keep their mouth shut about it. That's a real possibility because this rumor is coming from some people I consider credible. Now I can't I can't attest either way. I can just tell you what I'm being told, you know. But whoa, it, whoa. it makes an interesting dynamic. Whoa. Yeah.
0: You you you're hopefully you're not suggesting that the University of Louisville athletics department and a lot of the people in their administration are credible. Come on, Ed. Look at the, all the, the, the misrepresentation and the outright lies that that group of people has have perpetrated for how many years? Ten years?
1: Now, now, Come on. Now, 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 Paul. Now, now, Paul. Why would you put me in that position? Um <laughs> But, yeah, there's a lot yeah, of this I didn't stuff. put so, you in
0: that position. No, they you know, know. put you in that position.
1: You I understand. Know, it was I their understand. behavior. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, all of that adds up. So there's a lot of things here that we have to think about, you know, and and that's one of the things we have to look at, you know. Is it possible? Yes. Uh, you know, is it going to happen that way? Probably not. So I don't think Charlie Strong is a legitimate uh, horse to throw out there into this race. I really, really don't, um, you know, but it's fascinating how many rumors get started and how many people have their own, you know, play about what's going on. So we are looking at that, you know. But I think the best that we could probably hope for is maybe, maybe, either getting, uh, you know, Ryan Day is the Ohio State offensive coordinator. Maybe he'll come here. You might even get Neil Brown from Troy. Another name that's being mentioned here is Brent Venables. Uh, he's the Clemson defensive coordinator. And believe me, Louisville could use somebody that knows defense for a change. No uh, you know Yeah. But, yeah. You know. But we'll see. You know. But it's it's really interesting that Lorenzo Ward, the safeties coach, will now be the interim head coach, uh, at least for the remainder of the year. And uh, yeah, that's interesting because this guy, he's the safeties coach now. Defense has been Louisville's Achilles heel all year, including the safeties. Uh, you know, so I'm interested to see how this is going to work out myself. I'm not sure how it's going to work out, but it does bring up some interesting di- dynamics. So we'll hey, see what happens.
0: It, it, and this might be the football equivalent of David Padgett. You know?
1: It very well could be. I'm not pleased with the whole Chris Mack deal at UofL. I think Chris Mack was the worst choice for U of I would have much rather seen David Padgett stick around than to bring Chris Mack in here. Um, I really, I really believe that. I, I think Padgett would have done a better job than Chris Mack. I'm not impressed with Chris Mack at all, uh, you know. And I'm catching a lot of heat for that too. I get it, you know. Chris Mack's supposed to be the new savior. His wife is from Louisville, you know, and all this other crap. Oh, I get the ties, but you know, we want results. We don't. We don't want these ties if we can't get results. So I think Chris Mack is going to fail at Louisville. I think it's pretty obvious early. I understand he hasn't had time to bring in recruiting classes of his own, but I just don't see Chris Mack being a great alternative for us. But we'll see. You know, we will see. So who knows how that's going to work out? In the meantime, we I have agree. other things going on, huh? I Do agree what? with that. This is, this is, oh, okay. Yeah, we're going to have to wait and see
0: how, how all of this happens, shakes out. L, <laughs> listen, Uval is in such turmoil right now. They're making a lot of decisions under very difficult circumstances. And, you know, when people make those kinds of decisions, when they're under stress, a lot of times the quality of those decisions
1: proves later
0: on to be, oh, not so hot.
1: Well, I agree with that. And, you know, I quite frankly, I have no faith in Vince Tyra as I started off at the beginning of this rant. I
0: don't, I, uh, I, I really don't care
1: don't. for Vince Tyra at all. So I don't I don't see this getting any better. I don't care for Vince Tyra. Um, you know, I, I think Vince Tyra's his ego, he'd be stupid enough to damn to put himself out there and coach the team himself thinking he could do a better job. I just think that guy is not the right person for Louisville. I don't think he should be an agent anyway. Back to private business, make your money, and just stay the hell out of the sports program. But that's just me. But well, he's a Trinity grad you Paul. Paul, got to put the
0: way Fall up back. Yeah, I'm sorry, air. I'll put it I'll put it on
1: mute. Yeah. Put me on mute. Okay. Thank you. I will. Just hit your button again if you want back on. Um uh, yeah, I just don't see Vince Tyra as a as a great A D. But we'll see how she rolls in a wash. In the meantime, we do have a lot of other things going on. Um, one of the stories, stories have come out over the last week is really, really sitting badly in my crawl. And here's why. You know, I do not like these panhandlers on every street corner. I admit that freely. I think half of these people ain't nothing but scumbags who are lying about being homeless and everything else to feed their drug habit. That makes me an asshole, so be it. I get it. At the end of the day, I don't mind that. All right. However, I do have a problem with this moron we call the mayor here, Greg Fisher, who just won re-election. All right, he won re-election last Tuesday night, and everybody in Louisville that voted for this scumbag ought to be ashamed of themselves. Louisville under Greg Fisher has gotten ten times worse. But the worst thing I think I've seen yet, that is sticking in my craw really badly, is last week twenty-one legitimate homeless people actually received tickets for sleeping outside on the sidewalk. You heard me right. Wednesday night, police officers were told they had to write tickets to these homeless people uh, for sleeping or camping in front of Wayside Christian Mission. Uh, Wayside Christian Mission takes care of homeless, but they were full. So these people that went to Wayside Christian Mission hoping to get in, couldn't get in. All right? So you had men and women sleeping on the sidewalks there uh, around the homeless shelter because they had no room. That's just the bottom line. So we don't have room for the homeless, the legitimate homeless. And this would include kids and everything else. What do we do? We go ahead and give tickets to the homeless people who don't have any money to find a place to stay. They don't have any money for court costs if they can't put a roof over their head for a night. And we're going to force them to court dates and go to court for the crime of being homeless. That is disturbing to me on a lot of levels. It really, really is. I don't get it. I don't understand how any the hell they could even justify something like this. Um, it's very, very disturbing to me. And I wish somebody could justify it. I can't. I understand, you know, that we've got to sit here and we've got to do these different things. I get it. You know, that, that we have all these different things. We can't have homeless out everywhere and everything else. I get it. But we continue tearing down ten tent cities that are underneath Vinox and stuff that most people aren't going to see. We're, we're taking the homeless and, and rounding them up like cattle, if you will. Um, and now we're giving them tickets that they can't afford. If they had any money, they put a roof over their head. I can't imagine you would stay outside and sleep in freezing temperature if you had a choice. Maybe I'm the most gullible person in the world. But that's disturbing to me. So the police are out there doing it. Now of course now of course, you know, the the city, you know, the, the newspapers got it out there, the media put it out there. So once the media put it out there that the police are doing it, now all of a sudden they've backed off. So the shelter beds are full. These people are sleeping on the sidewalks in front of the shelters. It's not like they're spread out all across the city. They're going to the depressed areas where these homeless shelters are at. All right, and believe me, these are depressed areas, okay? You know, they're, they're not the, the cream of the city, trust me. All right, and, and they have nowhere else to go, so they make their way there. We're told, hey, sorry, the inn is full. So essentially they're sleeping on the sidewalk. but so they have nowhere else to go, but they did make the effort to go to a homeless shelter. They were able to get there somehow, you know, and the mayor's office really don't care. See, this is supposed to be Compassion City, right? This is Greg Fisher, right? There's nothing compassionate about this moron. He's gonna spend over a hundred million dollars for more bike lanes. How far could that hundred million dollars, more than a hundred million dollars, I think it's a hundred and seventy million, something like that. But how much that money could actually alleviate a lot of this and help the homeless? Or or maybe fund rehab centers, you know, and things like that. I mean the court systems were overlogged with, with, with drugs, right? You got a drug court and everything else, and, and the results on that are kind of shaky at, at best, okay? Um, you know, So we look at all of these different things, and, and he thinks the right thing to do is to continue to build bike lanes that nobody gives one shit about because they're ridiculous to have bike lanes in this town. And instead of spending over $100 million trying to help the homeless or drug rehab centers or things like that, uh, we're going to go out and give tickets to homeless people. We're going to make revenue giving tickets to homeless people. I, you know, I would assume that the LMPD cops who were writing these tickets were probably embarrassed to have to write them in the first damn place. I mean, these guys have better things to do as an officer—better things to do than write tickets to a bunch of homeless people that that they can't do anything. So you've embarrassed your police department. You've embarrassed this city. And somehow this moron got reelected last week. And of course, this happened the day after the election. But after everybody started making phone calls and they started getting blowback from the community and the newsrooms, well, all of a sudden, the LMPD officers were instructed not to write any additional complaints until after the next task force meeting. Task force meeting, what a joke. You take a bunch of daggone Democrats, faithful, you throw them in a room. You call them a task force so they can sit there and not accomplish anything. It's disgusting. It really, really is. But this is what we deal with in Louisville. And I don't know why they think they can justify something like that. I really, really don't. Hell, why didn't you just put them in jail, Mr. Mayor? They'd have a roof over their head and a meal in their belly in a warm environment, right? You're going to give them citations and try to run them off when they have nowhere to go anyway. That's why they showed up at the homeless shelter. It's disturbing, and we're stuck with this bullshit for another four years, probably longer, because the Democratic mafia controls Louisville, so they're going to do whatever they want to do, you know, but it, but it is very, very disturbing. It really, really is, and in other news in Kentucky, uh, <laughs> you're going to love this, Greg Dumbo, anybody remember him? Uh, he was majority House Speaker, then he got his ass beat, wasn't expecting to get beat, so he kind of faded off a couple of years ago. Well, now he's thinking about running for Attorney General again. Yes, he wants to become the Attorney General. Greg Dumbo was the Attorney General from 2004 to 2008, and just like Andy Bashir, you know, little Andy, the current Attorney General, Stumble spent the entire four years doing nothing but harassing and filing lawsuits against the Republican governor at the time who was Ernie Fletcher. Um, once that was over, he got elected to the House of Representatives and uh, stayed there for 2009 to 2017 when he was finally beat. But Greg Dumbo, his real name is Stumbo, I don't care if you're confused, I understand. But Greg Dumbo um, has really been an embarrassment to this state his entire political career. He really, really has. And now he wants to run for attorney general next year. And to be honest with you, if he does, he'll probably win because he's a Democrat. That's how screwed up we are here. If we had a Republican attorney general, all this crazy illegal crap these Democrats continue getting away with would be gone. That's why they can't have it. If you think the Democrats really care that Matt Bevan is the governor, forget that. They don't care about that. They don't care that the House and Senate is run by Republicans. It gives them something to bitch about. They have a the supermajority in the House and the Senate. By the way, they kept that supermajority last week in Kentucky after the elections. The Democrats, who were supposed to really clean house, put all of these daggone teachers and everybody else up for political office, lost their butts. They only gained two seats in the House. Not enough to do anything at all. There was no such thing as a blue wave. As a matter of fact, on the national level last week we lost 28 seats in the House, in the U.S. House last week. That's the smallest number of seats that have switched hands in recent years. Barack Obama in his first midterm lost 63 seats in the House and nine Senate seats to Republicans. Bill Clinton Before him, Bill Clinton lost 53 seats in the House and six Senate seats. Donald Trump lost 28 seats in the House and gained two or three Senate seats, depending on if all these illegal recounts are trying to pull off in Arizona, Georgia, and Florida, uh, get straightened out or not. But he's still going to pick up a couple of seats in the Senate. In a midterm? Are you kidding me? That doesn't happen. And on a national level, in politics, where do you want your power? You want the power in the Senate, if you're the party. That's where the real decisions get made. The House can do anything they want to do. They can pass anything they want to pass. These Democrats can spend the next two years playing the impeach Trump and playing the impeach Kavanaugh game. They have zero anything to, to accomplish with that. And it'll backfire on them in two years, I promise you. But that's going to be their agenda. Oh, that climate change and health care, you know, the usual bullshit that they throw out there that doesn't matter to anybody or anything, all right? That's the reality of what we're dealing with on a national level. Because the Senate is going to sit there, and they're going to tell the House no and not send anything to the president's desk to be signed, But in the meantime, the Senate, thanks to Harry Reid, your Democrat majority leader, prior to Mitch McConnell, thanks to him, the simple majority rules. So now that the Republicans have that simple majority, they're going to keep on keeping on. We're finally going to get conservative judges put on the bench where they should be because these Democrats are morons. We're going to have conservative judges continue to push through the Senate. They gained a couple of seats. It's going to make it even easier for them. You've gotten rid of John McCain, Jeff Flake, and others that are no longer relevant, all right? All of these things are happening. The Senate is where the power is. So if the House wants to accomplish anything, they're going to have to find a way to do that in a bipartisan way, or they're going to have to base the next two years doing nothing more than running hearing after hearing after hearing, going after Trump and Kavanaugh. And they're not going to get anything. Robert Mueller spent over two years and over $20 million of our money and still hasn't got anything on Donald Trump. They didn't have anything on Brett Kavanaugh either. So that's the only game they've got. So in the absence of them having any power to do anything, you're going to have gridlock. And gridlock is great for the executive branch. Because if you have gridlock in the House and the Senate, and they can't get anything done. Then Donald Trump gets to do what Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, George Bush, and everybody else has done. He gets to use executive order and make decisions. Because the House and the Senate can't make any decisions. So you've got to have gridlock in the Congress because of a House that doesn't have a clue what the hell they're doing with Democrat majority. The Senate's not going to give them the time of day because there's nothing to give them the time of day on. And that's going to let Donald Trump make decisions and do executive orders. Now, here in Kentucky, the reason they don't care if you have a Republican House, Senate, and governor, because no matter what they do, a Democrat attorney general is always going to file a lawsuit to try to stop them. That's all the attorney general's office is under Democrat control in Kentucky. It's nothing more than a constant daggone lawsuit and a power struggle with the governor's office and, right now, the Congress. Because that's all they know how to do. Little Andy is dumb as rocks. I've said that many times on this show. He has never accomplished anything on his own. Little Andy, every job he has ever had, he came in and did the job that his dad had before him because it was handed to him on a silver platter because his name was Bashir. He thinks that's going to get him to governor's office next year. I disagree. But if Greg Stumble is going to run for AG next year, you're going to have the same situation. So once again, the attorney general's office is going to do nothing more than to be a harassment office for political gain which is not what the AG's office is supposed to be. That's why Jeff Sessions was just fired on a national level. Because he didn't use the AG's office appropriately. They've let Robert Mueller run roughshod, doing anything he wanted to do, and he still hasn't been able to prove any results. All the evidence is against Clinton, Comey, Obama, McCabe. The list goes on and on and on. Stroke, Page, you name it. All the Democrats. And he hasn't done one thing to hold them accountable. And he also has not been able to lay a glove on Donald Trump. You've got the same situation here. The Democrat AG's office does nothing more than to file lawsuits to stop anything from happening. And at the very best, it delays it, anything from happening. At the worst, it's going to blow up in their face. But the Democrats must contain the law enforcement branch, of power at every level in Kentucky. As long as they control law enforcement branch, like the AG's office, the sheriff's office, court judges, as long as they control the law enforcement part of our election cycles, they never have to be held accountable for their illegal doings. That's the way it works in Kentucky, that's the way it works on a national level in most cases. I didn't used to believe it did on a national level until James Comey and Andrew McCabe and Rod Rosenstein and a host of others. Now I know our FBI is corrupt. And that's a sad state of affairs, but it's the truth nonetheless. So Greg Stumble is considering a campaign to be Attorney General next year. He will run. There's no doubt in my mind about that. And he will spend the four years following. If Matt Bevan is reelected, and at this point I think he will be, um, he will spend the next four years doing nothing more than being a thorn in the side of Matt Bevan, the governor, because he's a Republican. Not because he's doing anything illegal, but because he's a Republican. I personally think Matt Bevan will be hard to beat next year at this point. I have to put that caveat out there because you never know with him, right? But at this point, I have to say I think he's going to be hard to beat next year. Here's why. Because Kentucky is an economic engine right now we haven't seen in decades, Jobs are coming in, money is being spent hand over fist, and he is improving Kentucky. For the first time, the Kentucky teacher's pension, and we mentioned this last week or the week before, I can't remember which, is actually fully funded since so Steve Bashir and his buddies raided the pension system and started screwing around with it. It's the first time it's been fully funded, and it's done by a Republican governor because the Democrats kept stealing all the money. And I think those things overall will will lead him to victory next year, regardless of who his Democratic opponent is. And I think that makes a difference, because I think people are seeing the writing on the wall. And for those who sit there and say bullshit, the teachers are going to stop it. I have to tell you, they had their chance this past Tuesday and failed miserably. They had teachers and educators on the ballot, and a hell of a lot of racists, and every one of them did pathetic. They didn't get what they wanted. They lost. The majority lost. So everybody who thought that the whole state was going to be behind these teachers' unions and all the educators and all this other crap just found out that we're finally tired of being held hostage to all of this stuff. We're tired of being held hostage to unions in general. We're tired of being held hostage to teachers' unions specifically. And I think that makes a difference. So we've got to look at all of that. Now on top of all of that, um, you know, we're looking at the governor's race now in Kentucky next year. Sandy Bashir took care of Jerry Lundigan grind took care of Jerry Lundigan. I mean he did who do you think got the FBI and everybody else involved in the Jerry Lundigan thing? Jerry Lundigan should have been investigated, don't get me wrong. He should be indicted and on charges. Don't get me wrong. He's a scumbag, always has been. But this just didn't miraculously happen after all of these years. Andy Beshear did all of this to try to get rid of Allison Lundigan Grimes, Jerry Jerry Lundigan's daughter. Allison Lundigan Grimes, of course, is the current Secretary of State in Kentucky. She has ambitions of running for governor next year. Those ambitions are probably gone at this point because of her dad. Her dad has got to be making some sort of a deal to protect her so that she don't get brought up on charges, although she should be. All Lundigan Grimes as the candidate is responsible for everything illegal that her dad did and she took money for. It. She should be charged with the same things he is. So he's either singing like a canary or he's making deals to protect her. One of the two. That's the only thing I could come up with. But little Andy thought that that would put him in a good position next year to take on Bevin head-to-head, and he's going to play the Bashir game. He's going to play the Bashir name, even though he's dumb as rocks. Well, it might not be that easy, little Andy, because now we've got state rep Rocky Adam Atkins jumping into the race. Now, here's the funny thing about Rocky Atkins. He's already making one of the biggest mistakes he can make. Everybody's going to say, oh, Rocky's this, Rocky that. Uh, Rocky Atkins is not a smart man. Yes, he's the minority leader in the state house right now. I get all of that. But Rocky Atkins is not a very smart man, all right? He's well-connected. He's a Democrat faithful. He's connected to the machine, so he's going to get some money, all right? And he's going to get some votes. But he can't beat Matt Bevan any more than Andy Bashir can. And one of the biggest problems Rocky Atkins is going to have is because he fell for this woman of the year and the JCPS garbage. We just found out last week that nobody gives a shit about the teachers and the teachers unions anymore, we realize that they've been lying and holding us hostage for a long time. Matt Bevin proved that because he fully funded the pension plan, as I've already mentioned. But Rocky Atkins has already decided he's going to make his running mate, Stephanie Horn. Stephanie Horn is the JCPS School District 3 representative. Stephanie Horn is also the wife of failed candidate three times over, Andrew Horn. Stephanie Horn has... Nothing to bring to the table whatsoever. She's a real estate attorney. Big deal. She's a faithful Democrat. Big deal. Andrew Horne is a veteran and a faithful Democrat, and he couldn't do shit in three different elections. Didn't even get close. His wife is actually worse than he was as a candidate. So Atkins decides he's going to bring her on because she's with the JCPS, so he thinks he's going to get the Louisville vote because of JCPS. And then he's got enough thinking that the year of the woman, so because she's a woman and a JCPS member, that that's a two-for-two two play for him, and that he's going to be able to get something out of this. Rocky Atkins, you're wrong. However, it might be enough to screw with little Andy. There's no doubt in my mind that Rocky will get the teacher's vote in, in Louisville, in Jefferson County. But Kentucky has 120 counties. The rest of the state don't play that way. The rest of the state hates Louisville. Excuse me. The rest of the state hates Louisville. So he's going to pick up some Louisville votes. Sure, he might beat Andy Bashir here. Sure, he might beat him. He might even beat Andy Bashir statewide because he's got enough recognition. I don't think Atkins can beat the Bashir name, even though little Andy's dumb as rocks. Rocky Atkins. Rocky Atkins is a is a seasoned veteran in politics all right i mean for goodness sake he's been in politics since he was 26 years old since he was 26 years old all right he played at moorhead state basketball all right 1983 they won the ovc championship that was his senior year three years later in 1986 Atkins was elected to the Kentucky House of Representatives, and he's been there ever since. He was the majority floor leader from 2003 until 2016. That's when the Republicans took the House over. All right? Uh, You know, we have to look at all of this stuff, folks. I mean, we really, truly do. So here's a guy who, who has been an elected Democrat since 1986. It's over 30 years. And nothing got done. The teachers' pensions and everything else got worse and worse. Atkins was part of that. He was the majority leader as a Democrat. When all of this raping and raiding was going on. Little Andy, his dad, was the governor, Steve Beshear, who was raping and pillaging all the public pension plans, too. So neither one of these guys have any credibility whatsoever. So it's going to be interesting to see them go into a dogfight in their primary and rip each other apart. But then you've got the daggone monkey in the works. Now, during Matt Bevan's gubernatorial run in 2015, just three short years ago, almost four, I told everybody that he had a shot to win. So everybody thought this was a two-man race between Jamie Cummer and Hal Heiner at the time. Jamie Cummer, of course, went on to bigger and better things. He's, he's an elected rep now. And Hal Heiner, of course, is serving in Matt Bevin's cabinet. But everybody decided that was going to be a two-man race, and Matt Bevin didn't have a shot. But Matt Bevin has a legitimate block of voters. And I told everybody in 2015 during their primary, watch out. Because Matt Bevin has a block of voters. With Jamie Cumberland and Hal Heiner going back and forth and splitting everything, Matt Bevin might have enough people to win the primary on his own and he did and then he went on to win the governorship. So when we look at all of this in play, when we look at all of this in play, all right, in the Democratic primary this time, you've got you you've got their version of the Democrat version of Matt Bevan with if you will. His name is Adam Edelin. Adam Edelin, of course, is a former uh, auditor. He took over for crit Llewellyn. And as an auditor, Adam Edelin did a did a did a decent job. I don't have a lot of bad things to say about Adam Eadland. Did he cover up a few things for Democrats? Sure he did. That's what Democrats do. But if you're looking for an honest Democrat as an auditor, Adam Eadland was about the best you could get. And I truly believe that. I thought Adam Eadland did a very credible job as auditor. And I got a lot of respect for him for that. It had to be tough being the auditor, and in some cases pissing off the Democratic machine, especially L. That's where they got caught with all of their stuff, was under his reign. Now, when we look at all of this, Adam Edelman is going to run for governor. He hasn't announced it yet, but I'm 100% sure he will. And maybe I'll eat those words. I always hate to put myself out there like that. In this case, I will, though. I'm 100% sure Adam Edelman is going to jump into the race. Where Adam Edelman made a mistake was after he lost his last election. He decided he was going to split the party. He went out with a buddy of his, Matt Jones, I think it was, Um But, you know, talking about how the Democratic Party was so screwed up, and they were going to start a new branch of the Democratic Party, which in essence was going to split the existing party. Okay? And he's been working behind the scenes on accomplishing that for the last three years. Now, has that worked effectively for him? We'll find out when he runs. But you're going to have Rocky Adkins, who has been in the House for 32 years, spent the majority of that time, at least from 2003 to 16, so that's, what, 13 years anyway, as the majority leader, as the Democrat House majority leader, you've got little Andy Bashir, who has accomplished zero in his life. All he does is does exactly what his daddy and others tell him to do because he's too stupid to make a real decision and run his own life. Are going to face off against each other and fight for votes. So and then you got Adam Edeling coming up from the bottom, who is basically the Branch Davidians, if you will. Right? He's the bastard child of this religious group, and he's going to sit here. And create chaos. So you may be setting up a situation where you get into a Matt Bevin versus Adam Edelin gubernatorial election next year. I haven't heard too much about anybody credible running in a Republican primary yet, although I know that there's at least one that has said they're going to run. We have to see if they fill out the paperwork and everything first. But, you know, but the thing is right now, I think it's Matt Bevan Matt Bevin. And it very well could be Adam Eadlin. So the Democrats are going to be in quite a bit of trouble next year in a primary because all of their sins are going to come, wide or come come full bore. There's just no way around it. And Rocky Atkins is screwing up picking up Stephanie Horn. She brings absolutely zero to the plate. She doesn't bring any votes. Andrew Horn isn't big enough to get votes. So Stephanie Horn is worse than her husband when it comes to pulling that off. She's played the JCPS bullshit game. She's a real estate attorney. Uh, you know, all those things. I mean, Andrew at least was a Marine Corps veteran, you know, and he put his ass out there three times, uh, to run for office. A guy beat handily every time. Uh, Stephanie Horn has done nothing more than kiss the ass of the, of the unions and the JCPS. So she's not going to do anything to bring him any good. So you're basically gonna be looking at Rocky Atkins versus Andy Bashir. Neither one of the running mates are gonna do him any good. It's gonna be really interesting to see who Adam Edenlin brings in as his running mate when he formally announces, and that might be the ball game. Um, another interesting story, I just saw this earlier today, and I've got to tell you, I I just started laughing. This guy wouldn't get my vote for dog catcher, and he's a Republican. And the reason for it is, because I think, I think it's just totally ridiculous that he's going to play this gimmick bullshit. Carl Nett. Uh, Nett is a Republican candidate for Secretary of State. Uh, he's running in a Republican primary. Um, but, you know, in this state, state law allows candidates to have a nickname printed on the ballot, right? So if my nickname is Asshole, I could have my ballot show up as Ed Asshole Springston. That's my nickname. And most people wouldn't argue with that nickname because I've had that nickname for a very, very long time. Trust me. All right? So we look at this. But this Carl Nett Republican guy is a moron, in my opinion, because he supports Trump. Um, he decided he was going to have his name in the May primary put down as Carl Trump is his nickname, Net. And I think that's a disgusting political play for votes. And I think most people will look at that and say, screw this guy. If that's all he's got is to play that kind of a bullshit game, I don't want him for dog catcher. I'm not going to vote for the guy. I don't care if he does win the Republican primary. I will not vote for him for office because of that. State law allows candidates to have a nickname printed on the ballot, but they have to submit an affidavit under oath attesting that it's their real nickname and they're not using it to gain an advantage on the ballot. See, now this is the problem for me. This affidavit was signed by seven other people who say that he was such an enthusiastic supporter of Trump's presidential campaign that establishment Republicans began calling him Trump. Therefore, that's his nickname. So he has decided that Trump will be his nickname, and people yell Trump when he enters the room. So it's not an advantage or a disadvantage. I call bullshit. He gets an affidavit signed by seven people, who says he was a supporter of Trump's presidential campaign, and that's when his nickname started. Are you kidding me? So he's had a supposed nickname of Trump for two years? I mean, mean, seriously, think about that. I was an enthusiastic supporter of Trump. Do Do I get to use the Trump name and the Trump logo for any office I run for? Seriously. I mean, you know, that's the whole thing. (laughs) <laughs> and to think that he is blatantly, blatantly uh, sitting here and using this for political advantage is just amazing to me. You know, Now, for those of you who don't know who Carl Nett is, Carl Nett uh, served in the Kentucky House as a Democrat from 1970 to 1990, He's actually in his 70s now. He's 75, 76, something like that. All right. But he served in the Kentucky House for 20 years as a Democrat from 1970 to 1990. So, you know, I'm trying to understand this whole Trump thing. So the guy is in his 70s, and his nickname, because he has used this name, somebody has given him this nickname for the last two years, that that's his nickname. But, you know, the state says you can't use it to gain an advantage on the ballot. So this guy switched parties to Republican two years ago, both for Trump. And all of a sudden, his nickname is Trump. And that's not an advantage on the ballot. 76 years old. And my nickname my whole life has been Eddie. Obviously, right? My name is Ed. That's my business name. That's what my adult friends call me. But my family and friends my whole life that I grew up with have called me Eddie my whole life. You know, now I tease about the asshole name because there are quite a few people in this community who refer me to asshole when they see me because of what I do, and that's okay. But I've had that nickname for the majority of my life. Most nicknames you do. And when you're 75 or 76 years old, whatever age he is right now, um, you know, To sit here and say, well, that's my nickname I got two years ago because I support Trump. To sit here and blatantly do that and and to pretend like it's not trying to gain an advantage on the ballot, I think somebody needs to file a lawsuit against this guy. I really, really do. Somebody needs to file a lawsuit against him. Now I'm not running for that office, so I'm not going to file a lawsuit against him. It serves no purpose. If I'm not running for the office, I have no skin in the game. Right? But... It's the principle of the thing. So this guy wouldn't get a vote from me for dog catcher. That's just the way it is. So we have to look at these kind of things as we go forward. Um, You know, I I don't even know where to begin on something like that. But this guy should have no shot at any job. Uh, Just for the fact that he is blatantly violating the law, um, election law primarily. And you know he counts himself as a Republican, even though he served as a Democrat in the House for twenty years. Uh, there's nothing about this guy like it all, but I just thought it was an interesting story. So it's not here, I get to start my closing a little bit early. Bottom line is simple. Last week we had an election. It went about as expected. You know, on a national level, I told everybody that the Democrats were going to pick up some seats in the House, but they would keep the Republicans would keep the Senate. I also went on the record and said I wasn't sure that they would pick up enough seats to flip the House, but they would pick up at least ten to fifteen seats. Well, they ended up picking up enough to flip the House. What does that do for us? It does a hell of a lot for us. Nothing changes. Literally, nothing changes. Paul Ryan, as Speaker of the House, was worthless. The Republicans had a majority control of the House and accomplished zero for the last two years because they had a lousy Speaker in Paul Ryan, who was basically a Democrat in, in, in Republican clothing. The Democrats now retook the House by a slim margin, one of the slimmest margins in history. You've got to go all the way back to Franklin Delano Roosevelt and beyond to figure that out. So when we look at all of these things in play... On a national level, things are going to be pretty much the same for the next two years. You're going to see the media working overtime to try to push this Trump or Kavanaugh impeachment bullshit, but they've been doing that. That doesn't change. They've gotten away with it. Now they're going to start having all these committee investigations and all this other stuff because they can. They now own the majority in the House, and they're going to have more and more investigative committees because they want to pretend like they're doing something, and they're really doing something hard against Trump or Kavanaugh. But essentially, it's nothing different than we've been out through the last two years. The Senate will continue rolling on and continue passing judgeships and bringing conservatives on the bench as we need right now. The liberals have destroyed this country, seriously, morals, values, ethics, integrity. We have turned everybody into a cross-dressing pedophile with a pussy hat on their damn head and given them credibility. Instead of holding people accountable to what America's values are all about. Now, I'm going to piss some people off of that. Good. I want you pissed off. I want the Republicans pissed off. Because your lackadaisical attitude by letting these Antifa son-of-a-bitches out there, these Black Lives Matter, all these hate terrorist groups sit out there, is what created the situation we're in now over the last 20 years. You have just as much to be worried about as anybody. You allowed this to happen. Because we're too scared to engage. Which brings me to this. People are freaking out because Jim Acosta was kicked out last week from the White House. CNN's Jim Acosta. I say, great. Thank you very much, Mr. President. It's about time. This guy wasn't a reporter. He was an activist. He wasn't asking questions. He was making insinuations. Well, Mr. President, you're a white racist who hates illegals and, and can't stand anything that anybody else in the world cares about, you know, by the way, do you eat oatmeal in the morning for breakfast? I mean, that's the idiocy of Jim Acosta. And then he goes on to ranch and his CNN report about how badly he was mistreated. He makes himself the story. That's not a journalist, folks. That's an activist. A journalist asks the questions that need to be asked with no pretext, and they await an answer and they report the question and the answer. That's Journalism 101. There are no ethics in journalism anymore. The reason people are so freaked out over Trump is Trump knows the power of the media, but Trump stands up to bullies. Everybody wants to forget that Barack Obama threw Fox reporters out at a media event when he was president. He went off about Fox news constantly. Three reporters out, bitched about Fox News all the time. That was Barack Obama. But it was okay, because everybody loved Obama. Obama could do anything, and he would be portrayed as a, as a god. But what you've got with Donald Trump is, he's going to call you out. When you try to bully Donald Trump, you better be a better bully than he is. Say that three times real fast. Because Donald Trump is going to stand up to that. Because Donald Trump is standing up to that, you're seeing a few balls in the damn Republican Senate finally kick into play. Lindsey Graham's balls finally dropped. He no longer speaks like a timid woman. He actually speaks like a man. Yeah, that's going to offend everybody. I'm a sexist now. Sure, I get it. But Lindsey Graham found his balls. Mr. McConnell is actually being tough, publicly, not privately. You're starting to see some of these people realize that Donald Trump is right. You stand up to bullies in this country. We don't back down from bullies. We stand up to them. We put them in their place. This is America. Land of the free, home of the brave. This isn't the land of the pussy hats. And home of the pacifist. The reason everybody freaks out about Donald Trump is because Donald Trump as president is doing what every president in history has wanted to do, but didn't have the balls to do. They're standing up to the bullshit that the media projects. And the media is so screwed up, they keep doubling down and tripling down and making it even worse on themselves. CNN's ratings are the lowest they've ever been, and they will never come back up. Because of Jim Acosta and their constant os- obsession with Donald Trump and trying to project him in a negative light, they continue falsifying stories. And I do mean falsifying. They've been caught time and time again putting out fake news. MSNBC does it too, but they do it on a much smaller scale, so it's not as obvious. And that doesn't mean I'm a Fox News supporter either, folks. I know they're slanted and biased just as much as anybody else. So it really comes down to the same thing I tell you every week. Today you have access to more information than we've ever had in history. The internet is your friend. Start doing your research on every candidate, on every elected official who says something research and find out exactly what they said. Don't be fooled by the mass media attack pieces because they all have an agenda now. We haven't had a true, free, independent media in quite a long time. However. We now have in, independent news media that does a hell of a lot better job than a Gannett Group, a USA Today, a CNN, a CBS, an NBC, or a Fox. Independent news medias are on the rise while everybody else is going down for a reason. Because we are taking and we're doing the due diligence. We are reporting the news. We are reporting the facts. It's up to you to decide whether you like it or not. But quit being swayed by all these other people. Now on a side note, it's Veterans Day. I am a veteran. I am a very proud veteran. I love this country. I love my freedoms. That's why I get so pissed when I see everything happening the way it is today. But I'm also alive to tell you that. To my fellow veterans, Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines, God bless you all. Thank you for your service. To the families of those who have fallen, thank you for your sacrifices. To all the families of soldiers, thank you for your sacrifices. Nobody understands how tough it is to be a spouse or a child of a soldier, unless you've been there. To all the fallen, Godspeed. And to every one of you libtards who sit out there and scream, screw the soldiers, screw you. Until you wear that uniform and you put it on the line for this country, you ain't got one damn thing to bitch about. I've watched brothers and sisters who have died. You don't have a clue. I'm tired of hearing you sit and scream about how screwed up our military is. I'm tired of seeing you out there in your pussy hat, sitting there whining like a whiny-ass titty baby, a two-year-old little child. Because you're so confused from Democrat policies that you don't know which end is up. Until you put on that uniform and you go out every day to make this country great and defend what this country stands for, really, please, do me a favor. Shut the fuck up. Our military is the strongest in the world, and they are the reason that this country is free and has been free since its inception. They fight wars every day that you'll never know anything about, and when they come home from war, the few that come home from war are alive, live to tell the tale, they fight a war and a living hell inside their mind you'll never understand for the rest of their lives. I don't want to hear about how bad you had it as a child. I don't want to hear about your poor life. When you're face-to-face with a man and you've got to make that decision on whether to kill or be killed, then you'll know what life's all about. So thank you to each of my brothers and sisters. I appreciate your service. And believe it or not, most of America does too. That's it for this week, folks. Thank you all very much for listening. Martin should return next week. Until then, have a great week. Take care. We'll see you next Monday at 7. God bless.
0: I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you.